Welcome into another edition of the Kicking Two Sports Podcast. It's week number five of the regular season in Missouri, week four in Kansas. So midway through the season, which we'll has switched things up at this point. Instead of that's going- kind of what you do. You just kind of all of a sudden, eh, we'll just do something a little different. I think it's because either uh, my I have really short attention span or something, and I just get bored with what I'm doing, and I have to switch it up. Or if I don't keep my own attention, it's a problem. Well, honestly, change is good, Chris. Yes, change is good. So, so we're, we're changing everything. Let's this do week. it. Yeah, we're changing. Some people every- don't like change. No, I've I used to hate change, and then <laughs> I caused so much change around me yeah. that it's just like. Used to it at this point. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. I'll have one idea one week, and then next week I'll be like, you know what? I don't like that idea anymore. So let's try something (laughs) different. And that's why nothing. Trial and error. That's why nothing's been consistent in what I've done so far. (laughs) So this week we're going to do the three different topics. Uh, The first topic we'll do is eight man football. A little bit of change at the top of the eight man landscape. I think some surprises last week in games, and then we'll also talk about Savannah with their victory over Lafayette last week. The way they won running the football. And then we'll also discuss our game of the week at KQ2 and Dave's game of the week on on the radio this week, too. Uh, Midbuck at Hamilton. That's both of our games of the week. So let's just go ahead and dive into topic number one with eight-man football. We'll, we'll go with them first. Southwest Livingston last week, I think surprised everybody a little bit. Shocker to me. Yeah, I, I didn't see that one coming. I mean, Southwest Livingston's been a, you know, a solid program for the last couple of years. But I don't think anybody thought they'd come in there and you know beat Mound City and dethrone, I guess, the defending eight-man state champs. And do it the way they did, too. I mean, yeah. it wasn't just a come-from-behind or just a one-two-point victory. They played well. They controlled the, the entire football game for the most part. And for them to do that um, is very impressive. They already had one loss in the year, but Mound City was cruising. They were rolling these first few weeks of the season. And for them to lose the way they did, and it might be good for them in the long run to see how they respond um, but eight-man football seems like it's kind of up for grabs right now. Pattonsburg, Pattonsburg and the other undefeated team is East Atchison. Those are the, in, in our area, those are the only undefeated teams in eight-man football, and you're so used to the Stanberries and Worth Counties, and even a few years ago when it was North Andrew, those teams all undefeated and battling it out. But it looks like there's some vulnerability among eight-man teams this year where it's not one team is head and shoulders above everybody else because even Pattonsburg, which I think they might be the favorite right now. They had a heck of a game with North Andrew just a couple of weeks ago, 66-62, whatever that was. But um, So I think it's it's pretty wide open, and we may see some really good playoff games. Even in the past, maybe the semifinals and the state championship have been okay, but there have been a lot of blowouts. We may see a little bit more parity in eight-man football this year. And you know, I was talking to Eric Fairchild, the head coach at LeBlanc, and they've gone to eight-man he thinks eight-man football is going to grow and get better in this area and in the state. And there may be more teams around the state, not just on this side of the state, that have eight-man football. And he talked about, you know, so many so many teams' rosters are getting smaller. Not yeah. as many people are going out for football. And you're going to see some teams take a hit in some of the smaller classes, and they may be forced to go eight-man football. Um, so he thinks that eight man's going to grow and start to thrive and be better than it has been um, when you've just had pockets here and there and just a few teams here and there. He thinks it may be even getting better. Time will tell to see if that's accurate. But um, again, he's been in the eight man game for quite some time, so I think he kind of knows the landscape of it. But it, I really haven't thought of it in those terms. But um, it it may become bigger just because of 
roster sizes sizes getting a little bit smaller. Yeah, and I, I you bring that up, and there, every year there's always rumblings about you know some teams considering going eight man because like you talked about, rosters are getting smaller. Yeah. You know, like across the board, not just you know Northwest Missouri, but across the state. So I mean, at one point when I was playing, there was one year that we we lost to a playoff team. That next year, that team didn't have a team. <laughs> That's how big, heavy their senior class was. So that's yeah. how quickly things can kind of change with rosters. And I don't remember how many teams we had. Is probably more than what I remember. But there's not, there wasn't as many teams. But I guess there, I guess there probably was because there's so many co-ops now in the area right. too. But I, I can see the eight man growing because, I mean, you you can play with less players. I mean, you can get get a buy with a fifth. You don't want to, but you can get by with a fifteen man team, and not have to go play eleven man football anywhere. So I think that's a good thing in a sense for eight-man football. Now, if you're a fan of 11-man and don't like eight-man, then I'm sorry. There's nothing really <laughs> else I can, I can tell you that one. But Well, and that, that is a concern, I think, for coaches and schools all over the place, just the roster sizes. And you look at the rosters in St. Joseph, they're not big. I mean, no. unfortunately, they're just not as big as they used to be. There's just not as many kids going out, whether it's because of concussions or the threat of injury or just whatever it is. I think other sports are starting to grow. I think a lot of people are going the soccer route. My kids love soccer. I, I mean, I absolutely love football. I loved playing the game. Um, but my kids are into soccer right now, and they'll probably stick with it. They're probably not going to be football players, and I'm not forcing them to go play football, and that's kind of the way things are going. Right. I would, they want to, I'd love for them to, but they've not really taken to it. So that's just kind of the way it is right now, and it's, it's kind of a different – I don't think football is going away – by any stretch, as we've gotten on a different topic. <laughs> see, this is we, what we do. See, we're just changing as we go. We're just going to change everything. It's not going away, and it's no. going to stay around for a long time. But uh, just times have changed a little bit, I think, and then that's that's kind of where we're at. Yeah, because, I mean, you look at it, and we're going to keep on this topic change because and now I'm going down the <laughs> rabbit hole. Uh, you, you bring that up because, I mean, there are a lot of different, you know, reasons. Talking to coaches the last couple of years just about, you know, they'll be like, we're down this year. And I'm like, is it just, it's just lack of kids in the high schools. And they're like, no, we, we have kids. They're just not going out for whatever reason. You know, I've, I've heard from kids, parents, coaches, whatever. Like you said, it's they don't want to play. Just simple as that, which is fine. The threat of concussions that's out there. Parents don't want them to play. Yep. They're playing other sports. I mean, we, yeah, well, you talk about it. I mean, you're seeing, I think, youth-wise, soccer is growing in the area because there's not much of a youth football in the area. Yeah, that is, that's one frustration for for coaches. I know at the high school level that there is some youth football, but it's not. I don't know how well it's organized or whatever. But then there's no junior high football. I mean, yeah. the schools don't have a a feeder program essentially with your junior high where you can teach what you're running, have them learn it already, and then just transition to high school. So. It's they've got to do that through their youth programs, and they're usually not running the exact same things unless it's a coach that might be coaching a kid um, that's coming into the high school or something like that that's on the coaching staff for the high school. So it's it's been an issue for a long time. I know that's been a frustration for coaches that have come and gone um, in their time in St. Joe. So you go down that rabbit hole, so we'll yeah. go down that one. <laughs> Holy smokes, where yeah. are we going? <laughs> I don't know, but I want to go down that one now. You know, just you, you talk about, and I've been looking at this for the last couple, of, you know, it's been brought up to my attention a few times, the, the lack of middle school football, lack of junior high teams, because when they get to the high school level, these coaches are having to spend time probably teaching a lot of fundamental stuff that yeah. is usually taken care of already by the time they get to this point, and it's kind of putting everything behind the eight ball a little bit. 
So I don't I don't think there's a clear cut way to fix that problem. I don't think there's going to be a way to fix that problem yeah. for quite a while. But again, I think that's another part of why kids aren't going out because there aren't that many options when they're younger to play. Savannah has a huge league up there. They have Kansas City has huge leagues down there. I think I, I did a story last year at Savannah, and they have. I'm gonna probably get this wrong on how many different leagues they have, but I think it's they have flag football. I think for really the small kids, I think kindergarten age, maybe a little bit older than that, first grade. Then they slowly get them into mm-hmm. contact and stuff. So I mean, their feeding system. I mean, they've got a feeder system basically where you start them in a Savannah Youth League, then they go to middle school, they play high school, they keep going. Saying Joe, there's not really many options out there for them. I know some are trying to get something going, but there's just not a whole lot of options for kids to do either. And Savannah's even done, um, they've gone, they've switched leagues now. They're playing in the Kansas City schools. So they, they, they travel to Kansas City almost every weekend to go play their league. So it's a lot different. Now they're getting much better competition too. And um, I, I think a lot of people up there that I've talked to think that'll help in the long run, but that they're playing. I think Smithville's down there too, and they get to play teams in Kansas City. So I think they've changed things a lot, and they've got to go travel and do that and play better competition. But it's going to make them better too. So um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how it's. I just assumed I when I got to town ten years ago. Now I just kind of assumed there was junior high football because I grew up in a small town in Nebraska. I didn't. We didn't have youth programs, so I didn't play youth football because I didn't have it. First time I played organized football was seventh grade, junior right. high. Because so our junior high was seventh and eighth grade. Um, and that just fed right into high school. But I didn't realize until after about a year or so, I'm just like, oh, they don't have junior high yeah. football. So that is. I didn't realize it either, too. I think probably. Can be a challenge. Last year, the year before, I was because I, I never thought about it. I just kind of assumed there was something. And then even, even too, with this, in my case, it was just because we didn't have it. Youth football. And my first football was junior high. Well, I think a lot of parents, and I think I'm included in this, too. I'll throw myself out there that. You know, I'm not sure I want my kids playing tackle football when they're eight or nine years old. I, don't, right. I think that's a little early, to be honest with you. Um, so I, I think a lot of parents probably would rather them not play tackle football until they get to junior high. Well, there isn't junior high football, so some don't do the youth route. So then there's no junior high. So then they've got to wait till high school, and then they're just so raw and new, and it just takes some time when you're playing in Central's case, like at Liberty North last night or something like that, you're just you're behind, and it's just going to take some time, and you might not ever quite catch up to where some of those schools are at. So it's just it is what it is in this town right now, and it's I know there's a lot of frustrations, and it seems like they've been kind of voicing them more here recently yeah. because besides Lafayette, the other schools have kind of struggled to win football games, and I think now they're starting to voice some frustrations with that, and and will that ever change? In the foreseeable future, it doesn't really look like it. No, who knows? You talk about. I mean, there there's athletes on these teams. There's just a lot of raw talent. There's a lot of like you said. There's just a lot of figuring out where they fit in because junior high, you kind of can kind of say, okay, this kid's coming up. We kind of know maybe they could fit in a couple of years. Right now, it's just kind of like, okay, once you get them in high school, it's like, okay, we got to figure out what they can do. It's going to take some time. So one thing that also drives me crazy is that there are a lot of parents that I talk to, and I. I'm not going to tell them what to do or, or not to do, but so many people are trying to specialize their kid in one sport, whether yeah, that, whether that be basketball team. or baseball or whatever it is. Um, you know, I think the Super Bowl rosters, when, when, the, when the Pats and Rams played last year, they had a stat 
Um, the last couple of years they've had it on the Super Bowl rosters, like almost, I want to say 90, 95% of those players were multi-sport athletes in high school. They weren't specialized. They didn't just play football to become good at football. They played everything because you cannot, you can't get the athleticism of a basketball and those movements when you're playing football or just even some of the specialized movements in baseball. You're going to become, a, if you're just, if you want to specialize in baseball, play other sports so you get more athletic and you're able to do more things on the baseball field. That's, I think, one thing. I think it's almost like the parents just want their kids to get a scholarship in whatever sport it is. Okay, right. they were good as a youth in this. Let's just keep them in that. Drives me crazy, but um, that is kind of a thing now. You get specialized coaches. You go spend lots and lots of money to, to have a coach just teach you about basketball or baseball or whatever it is, soccer, and you just – then, then you don't have the funds to do other things, also, and I get that it's expensive, <laughs> but, but I think that that's I think that's one thing that always kind of irks me a little bit is man, just let your kids play everything. I let them expose them, and if they don't like it, that's one thing. Don't right. let, don't make them, don't force them, um, but let them try everything and don't specialize them in just one thing until maybe later on in high school, junior, senior. If you can tell that eh, that that one's not going to work out for them, probably then maybe at that point, yeah. but I still think even through high school, try not to specialize. That's just in my own opinion. Yeah, Don't hold me to that. Yeah. that that's just my own opinion on things. Hey, you bring that up. I mean, Missouri Western's got a pretty good example of that. Devin Burrell, I mean, he played junior college basketball yeah. for two years. Even in college, he was playing multiple sports. So, uh, Kobe mean, Cummings is still going to yeah, play baseball yeah. at Missouri Western. So, and None of the coaches can kind of come out outright and say those things, but you see on social media, there's a lot of like you know top – about not specializing because almost every college coach I talk to says they love multi-sport athletes. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like you touched on everything that, you know, makes it better because they are well-versed. They they are, I don't know. I don't know if it's more, I don't think it's intelligent, but it's more well-rounded. They're able to pick up things maybe. And they're just. And, and, And to kind of circle back to where we began, Talking about football and the lack of numbers, it's harder to specialize in football. Basketball, it's only five on a team. You can get one-on-one stuff with a coach. Baseball, no doubt you can. Soccer, these other sports, even if you're going into track and field, or you can specialize in those. It's harder in football because you've got to do so many more things and there's just so many more positions. It's harder to be uh, just specialize in football if that's what you want to do. It's easier in the other sports. So I think that's... Okay, we'll go this route. We'll look at baseball or basketball, and it's it's harder unless you're a quarterback. There's not a tight ends coach that you're going to go to because right. he's the best tight ends coach around. Before Drew Cortez um, got a job at Lafayette, he was coaching all the all the kids in the city at quarterback. Yeah, but there's not a ton of wide receiver, tight end, offensive line gurus out there that are just going to specialize in that one thing unless you're a QB. So. That's again kind of circling back to where this all began, but it's just the what that's kind of where we are in, the, in this society now. It's yeah. just a different world that we live in than it was even probably 10 years ago. Remember how I said we're changing the show this week? <laughs> I am not kidding. We changed the show in the middle of the show. Oh, it's high school. Oh, yeah, high school football's yeah, that's, tonight. That's tonight. That's weird. Uh, so we'll try to start. I think, I think I might have got us down the wrong direction. Which was fine because I was like, oh, I'm interested in these two. I'm going to – like these are some of the topics that I can't touch on TV because there's 
besides my opinion, I can't do anything with them really. Yeah. So this is where I'm like, oh yeah, these are two things because I see it on social media. Yeah. Where the specializing people are, you know, talking about it. And I'm like, yeah, that's true. Junior high sports, I see that on social media. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But I can't just go on, you know, and say, yeah. And honestly, so, this is, and we'll kind of wrap this up. But this has been an issue for a while, but it seems like it's starting to get more traction right now, and people are starting to get it out there because I think some of the teams are struggling in town and this is, they're starting to, I think there's starting to just be reasons why. And, and now people are starting to try and bring up some reasons why there are some struggles yeah. with some of the high school teams and stuff like that. So I think, I think people are now starting to be more willing to bring these kind of touchy subjects up a little bit. Not right. that they're that controversial, no. but it's just, no one, you don't want to rock the boat, yeah. but these, I don't, I don't think these even really rock the boat. I think no. it's something it's that people, what it want, is. Yeah, people want to not talk about it for a while, but can't ignore it forever as a, a just part a lot of the of problem. Pe- a, lot of, a lot more people are starting to bring it up now, so I, I hear it so much more than I have in years past. Yeah. I don't know why that is, I can, whatever, but I just hear it more this year than I have in the past for some reason. So we'll, we'll circle back and we'll finish the eight-man thing. There's two stats that I was going to bring <laughs> up real quick. Yeah. Stephen oh, Wolf, yeah, eight-man football. Yeah, oh, yeah. We're on topic number one of three that we've added. We have a little longer to. podcast today. Our bad. Um, Stephen Wilhite, Pattonsburg's quarterback, 30 touchdowns on the year, 1,474 total yards through four games. and 1,404 games. Wow. That's pretty good, especially Mac, with a smaller field and eight-man. <laughs> here's one by six yards more. Mac Anderson, Southwest Livingston, 1,480 total yards. 26 touchdowns. They're slinging it. That is ridiculous. And I, even eight-man football where you see the 68, 62s, you see the There's almost seven touchdowns a game. That's pretty we, good. I don't think we scored that in a game <laughs> my senior year. We scored a little bit, but I don't think we did that. Oh, uh, goodness. Yeah, those are – especially, again, the field's shorter. You can't get as many yards. No. So, I mean, you're moving – and some of these games probably end early because you have that 45-point yeah. mercy rule. So, right. I mean – Especially, yeah, with good teams like that, no doubt. That's you put that in perspective. Yeah, wow. What do you do when you do have a sixty-six to sixty-two game? You're going to put up some points in yards. <laughs> you're just keep going. None of the defensive coaches are going to be happy about it. No, there's some, there you are. There's some give and take with those numbers because it's shorter field, but you also get a lot more possessions because of kind of running up and down the field. You have more, in a weird way, more field to work with when you have three less guys. That's but, true. So there's quite a few uh, eight-man football games, good eight-man football games in the area tonight. We'll have the full list at kq2.com. Um, switching gears to uh, topic number two, I say that lightly. Um, it's about topic number five. Yeah, five. <laughs> we may end at topic number eight by the end of this. But going back to, we talked about Savannah having the youth league and kind of having, you know, been successful in years past. This is Savannah's best start to a season since 2013. I mean, they they started. I think, uh, what was it, fifteen or sixteen, like zero and two, but then they rattle off uh, like five wins in a row. But this is the first time they've been three and one since two thousand thirteen. They had a couple of down years in there. They had some coaching changes. They went through a couple of different coaches. Yep. But now, I they, they, they had it rolling for a while. Yeah, they found the stability again. I think with Coach Schrader and his staff, Travis Partridge and that group, they started to turn things around, and then the McFadden's came through and and stuff like that, and. Heck, they got to the semifinals. I'm trying to think of what year that. That was pretty early in my tenure, 11 or I think it might have been 12. They got to the semifinals. So, I mean, they had it rolling there for a while, a couple down years, but Coach Schrader's got it back. And we saw that last week. I yep. mean, we knew Savannah Lafayette. I mean, it, it was a physical, 
I had to leave, I think, after the end of the first quarter, 7-2. to two. And there were some penalties. There were some you know, turnovers there. But physical game in Savannah, we knew they were going to run the football, and they threw it a little bit. But I don't think anybody thought this Savannah offense was going to be this much running or this high-powered of a rushing offense because they lost some guys from last year's team that were big in the running attack too. And they're a little worried right now about their offensive line because they've had to shuffle some guys around. Um, I know they've lost one of their starters for the season, so they've had to kind of put guys in different spots, let them grow up, have some young guys play in the offensive line, and I think they're starting to figure it out. And then you've got a guy like Chase Spoonmore. Um, he's in his second year. He's only a junior, though, but um, he is so good with this offense and making the right reads that it's just it's like clockwork. I mean, he is really, really talented, and he throws a good ball now. Um, so he's got some balance. They didn't have to have the balance last week because he ran for over 300 yards. Was it? So over, yeah, 300, over 300? I think. Three, like 360 or whatever it was. Um, five touchdowns. Um, and then Evan Young, I think, had 150 yards on the ground too. So they can come at you in different ways. And if they need to throw it, they can throw it. They were Before last week, they were actually averaging more passing yards per game than rushing yards, which is hard to believe when you saw what they did to, yeah. to Lafayette last week. But I think this team has a really, really good chance now to make a deep, deep run. I don't know if they'll beat Maryville. I think that'll be a challenge in week eight. I think it'll be a really good game. I think they're capable of doing that. I haven't seen Maryville personally, but I think they're capable of it. I don't know that they'll lose another game in the regular season. I don't think they will. I don't know if anybody in the MEC will touch them. I think they'll handle Benton tonight. Um, and then they don't have Maryville in their district anymore because Maryville dropped down to class two. Right. They've got Benton and Cameron and some others, but they'll be the favorite, I think, by far in that district. So then all of a sudden you're in the sweet 16 and then you're, you're playing some teams that don't know you. Cause sometimes it's harder to get out of your more, more difficult to get out of your district than it is getting past that because then you run into teams that don't know you and don't scheme you up quite as well and don't know your tendencies. You just get to see three films and that's it. Um, so I think they've got a chance to make a really deep run cause they're good. They're really good and they're rolling right now. So I think we saw this last year when they kind of got rolling um, the only team to beat them after their 0-2 start was Maryville. Yeah. And that's the only team that shut them down. So I think they've got a chance to make a deep run this year. You brought up the fact that the offensive line has had to be reshuffled a little bit. That's what Coach Schrader was most impressed with this week, and that's what you know Chase said it too, that this offensive line ha- has been the biggest key for them. I mean, they were able to, and I, Coach Schrader kind of talk, touched on it, like you know, he's been most impressed with this offensive line group, and I mean, they've had to shuffle guys in. This is a very physical football team. They have Benton tonight. It's homecoming. But it, I, it's hard to stop that rushing attack because they have a couple guys back there can run the football extremely well. We didn't really talk about Spoon more much before the season. It was you know kind of Dayton McGoy, Caden Stone, guys like that. Still is. But Spoon Moore has turned into one of the top quarterbacks in the area too. Just No doubt. Based on what he's, how dynamic he is, not just you know running the football, but like you said, he can throw the football some now too. And I mentioned the ounce day, but they've got Jaden Brady who's talented, uh, Noah Bodenhausen. So they got some different options that they can go to. Their receivers on the outside are talented, and um, I didn't realize how big they are because a lot of rosters now don't have heights and weights, which is kind of a pet peeve of mine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> trying to hide how tall and big some of your guys are. It's. <laughs> I don't I'll know, just leave yeah. it at that. It's a pet peeve of mine. Uh, some teams still do. My favorite is when you don't have last names on rosters. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen that one. Whoa. I don't remember what it was <laughs> or where smokes. I was. But I was like, 
I don't remember. That would it not was, be it good was on the radio. Football. I don't know Noah why. Noah hands off to Eric. That's basically what my highlight was going to be. It was to Jeff. It was like Caleb gives it to like. <laughs> I haven't Sean, seen that. And I'm one. like, why is there not last names on the roster? But uh, no height and weight thing bothered me. But to get back to what I was saying <laughs> is that um, Savannah's big. Yeah. Um, when I saw them in person for the first time last week, they've got some big dudes, and they were just a lot bigger than Lafayette, and they're athletic and. Um, they are going to make no bones about it. They're going to be physical with an offense, and they'll fly around on defense. And um, Again, I think they're going to make a deep run. Savannah hosting Benton tonight up at Savannah, obviously. Um, homecoming for the Yeah, Savages. if they're hosting yeah, them, it yeah. will be up there. Hosting them, yeah. You never know. Sometimes there's weather they could play somewhere else. Well, don't, don't start that. I mean, we've already moved up basically every game in the area. That one's still at 7 <laughs> o'clock tonight as of about 11.30 this morning. When we're recording this, so you know what? Next six hours, who knows what's going to happen with all the potential weather? But a lot of games being moved around. The game of the week got moved up an hour and a half for both of us, so that kind of threw a wrench in our schedules. But in a sense, I feel like I'm forgetting to do something today. I do too. I fell off. I I have more time with all these games. Blame it on Aaron Fritz. Yeah, he he's <laughs> he's a blame for all of this. Kansas City schools start moving Wednesday. Next thing I know, Thursday comes. Central moves theirs, and then like. 10 games follow, like right after. So everybody's moved their games around for the most part. There's still a few at 7 o'clock tonight. Mid-Buck at Hamilton. I still feel like I'm forgetting something today. I I know I am. I think it's because I have so much time between the start of games to uh, 10.35 to get the show ready. In some cases, I'll have like three and a half hours. And this podcast is taking twice as long as as what we thought it was going to take, so now I forgot something else. We were like, we're going to shorten it down for you. We were wrong because we are just going. We're 25 minutes right now. We're good. That's not bad. So we'll we'll wrap it up here with Midbuck at Hamilton. KCI matchup. Big game tonight for the Dragons going on the road. They got a good bounce back win last week at home after Lathrop two weeks ago. This Hamilton team, they can run the football. I think it's going to be a pretty good matchup for these two. I do too. I like this matchup. I think it's going to be really good. And they they met twice last year. So this will be the third meeting in about a year and a half. So these two teams know each other well. Um, Although Hamilton's quite a bit different than they were a year ago just because they had a a decent senior class. They're playing a lot of freshmen and sophomores. And talking to Coach Fritz about Hamilton, he goes, man, they're going to be really, really good in the next couple of years because they're playing so many young kids. Um, They've got one of the top backs in the area. And sorry, Boro, he is... uh, He's really talented. He has, I think, eight touchdowns already, over almost 600 yards in, in his first four games. So, And they played pretty good competition. Uh, they played an undefeated Gallatin team and lost to a, uh, lost a close game. Played an undefeated Lathrop team last week. So they're 2-2, two and two, but their two losses are to two really good teams so far that are both undefeated. So I think they're still a work in progress. They uh, don't throw it great. They don't throw it a lot when they do. They've been intercepted more than they've thrown touchdowns. So they're they're going to make no bones about it. They want to run the football, and um, we'll see if, if Mid Buchanan can step up physically because that's what they'll have to do. They'll have to be physical. Now, they lost that crazy overtime game last year in the regular season, and then Mid Buck got them 41-21 in the postseason last year. Um, after I guess that would have been the after the district, so in the sectional round. Um, so I think they finally got over the hump finally won a game against Hamilton. It had been a long, long time. Yeah. I was looking back through um, all the Misha records and everything, and I think it went back to like 09. I wish it would go back further. Hadn't beat them. Yeah. And they weren't really close. Yeah. But finally got them in the postseason. So now they know they can beat 
Hamilton, again, I put it in quotes just because sometimes the name on the chest can intimidate folks. Yeah. And that's what, I mean, when you win, but they've won three state titles since like nine or 10, whatever it is. Um, that's going to intimidate some folks. And they were the cream of the crop for a long time. They're not quite that right now. So I think mid Buchanan, this is a big game for them to, to kind of continue on the path that they want to get to and get to where they were a year ago. So this should be a good football game though. I think it'll go back and forth and, um, I know they're concerned about Javen Noyes and what he can do and just their speed on the outside against some of the power and physicality of Hamilton. So should be fun tonight. I think it'll be a good football game. Maybe you can at Hamilton, our game of the week. Dave, it's your game of the week. Where can people start catching that game at? We'll have it on Joetown 107.5. Pre-game at 5 like always, but a little shorter pre-game just because it's been moved up to 5.30, so we won't get to talk to all the coaches around the city and area this week. We'll go over the schedule and everything like that, but um, – be a 5.30 kickoff, so a little bit earlier tonight, and we'll be done a little bit earlier, so we can get back for football tonight. And that show will only be 30 minutes as planned. We cannot <laughs> add anything else to that show. Can't move it up. Nope, can't move that up. Can't. You're stuck. I can't add topics. This is in the, in the middle of it like I can on this That's, because there is no rules. It's probably well, good. There's probably one or two rules here, but there are really <laughs> not many rules. But football night, 10.35, as long as the weather holds off, if I can at least get, I know coaches, I know we want full games in, but if I can at least get to a game for a quarter, get, oh, get something instead of me just sitting on TV for a half hour talking, just staring, and just giving you full screens, if weather can hold off, that'd be really great. I'll come help you, Chris. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. <laughs> this was another edition of the KQT Sports Podcast. Thanks again for listening.